You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On Utes. Plenty to get to ahead on this episode of the podcast. Brian, where are we going to go today? We are going to take you on an adventure, Jake. We're going to start things off at the best place to start every adventure. That would be Rice Eccles Stadium. The developments there in the south end zone have been exquisite, but there's also some things going on in the north, and hopefully soon, Jake, soon, there will be things going on in the middle of it, specifically on the field. That's the hope, absolutely. We're also going to talk a little about the running Utes and the Sunshine Slam event they'll play in this November. And, of course, we'll dig back into the 10-pack, talk about one of the top moments in Pac-12 history, the first decade of Pac-12 membership for the University of Utah Athletics. Uh, we'll get to all that ahead on today's show. It's all brought today by our title sponsor, Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car, truck, or SUV will ever need. Check them out at rockauto.com. All right, without further ado, let's dive on in. This is the Locked On Utes podcast for July 8th, 2021. Welcome into Locked On Utes, your daily podcast focused on the University of Utah, a lot to get to ahead on this episode of the podcast. Brian, first off, what's up? It's good to be back, Jake. Good to be together. Hope you had a phenomenal 4th of July. It is unofficially the favorite holiday of Brian Brown. I don't know if you knew that or not. Uh, there's still a lot of debate on the internets regarding that. But okay. um, sources tell me that it is very high on his list. So hope you enjoyed the 4th. hope everybody out there in Utlandia enjoyed the 4th and celebrated accordingly. Uh, how was the grilling? That's the key, com- the key component. The grilling was good. Uh, I had a fun person I know on Twitter mention that his market, uh, by the way, Day's Market in Provo, I'll just throw it up right now. Uh, you can go check them out. They actually had some uh, filet mignon on sale last week in the lead-up to the 4th of July. I went and bought some, put them on my Traeger, and, man, did they come out phenomenal. That's the, I think, the best part about the holiday, so to speak, is is the creations that come on the heat source of choice. Let's put it <laughs> that way. And or the accompanying... Uh, treats afterwards do you have a favorite fourth of july treat okay well most people maybe some people don't know i'm currently on a dieting plan unless they follow you on instagram they don't know that half of jay catch shows up for shows now (laughs) okay well nonetheless i I have been eating uh very i guess what we'd say cleanly over the past four months or so and Trying to get my weight under control, but Fourth of July, Fourth of July, traditionally for me, Brian, my my favorite thing. What takes me back to my childhood with the Fourth of July, and this is going to sound really weird. I think a lot of people, but maybe not at the same time, are Otter Pops of all things. I, I don't think that's a bad choice at all. In fact, the adult version of Otter Pops should probably be a much more. Uh, 
promoted thing, maybe? Maybe. Yeah, maybe so. Like why don't we have why don't we have more adult Capri Suns? Like load that thing up with a bunch of nutrients and let us chug away. So my my kids were actually chugging down Capri Suns all weekend long and I actually kinda had that thought. I'm like, why can't they make a bigger version of this? I don't think there are enough people in that industry that realize that people like me exist and just want to walk around with a box of liquid that they can drink all day. I, I'd, I'd be on board with that myself. So, yeah, having a lot of Sign fun. Me up. Having a lot of fun with that regard. Hope, yeah, Brian said, we hope all of your guys' Independence Day weekends were absolutely phenomenal. Enjoyed the observed holiday, hopefully on Monday, and just had some fun times with family and friends. And if you guys do have, like, a favorite treat or whatever from the 4th of July or you want to show off what you made, we'd love to hear from you guys. Reach out at Locked On Utes on Twitter, at Brown Bear SLC. I'm at Jacob C. Hatch. Love to hear from you guys and let you guys show off what you did over the weekend. And this is the time of year, by the way, Brian, that I absolutely love it. Yes, it's 100 degrees outside, but there's nothing better in my world than to just go outside, grill something delicious, and just enjoy it being summertime. Absolutely, 100%. We appreciate you bringing us along wherever your summertime journey is taking you. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, getting going here, I guess, officially on the podcast, Brian. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on with Rice Eccles Stadium for a moment here. I I think that there's a lot of of exciting things happening, obviously, in the lead-up to the football season. We're looking forward to that. We're under two months away from Weber State and Utah kicking things off, but I think that south end zone, the more I see from it, the more updates I get on it, the Ford, or those, the Ken Garf performance zone, not the Ford performance zone, the Ken Garf performance zone out there, I, man, I think this is going to make Rice Eccles Stadium one of the premier stadiums, premier venues in the Pac-12. It was necessary. That locker room was trash. I played there in high school, played there again in college. We had a bowl game there when I was at Snow College, and it was pretty pathetic to see teams from, like, Kansas and whatnot come in there and be like, really? This is the best that you got? (laughs) Um, But aside from that, I think really what the University of Utah needs is they need another crown jewel to match up with the scholarship box there. And that was the most logical place. I don't think you really want to put another scholarship box on the other side. I don't think you wanted to disrupt what you have in the north end zone. And uh, our good friend Sergeant Mark Sargent posted a picture of the UTAH across the field house roof being completed. Yep. Teased that there's something else coming along, so we'll have to dig into that and find out hey, Sarge, uh, what else you there is. Just reveal the news already, okay? Yeah, you know you know where those DMs are. I'll, uh, you're the only one though. Nobody else does. No, um, I think that's an on-running joke with uh, our good friends, uh, Punts for Utah. But um, this this is a critical component because I think there's not a, they're kind of maxed out at what they can do with the facility, right? Sure. And so I think what this does is it kind of offers them a chance at a remote facility, uh, a little bit more opportunity to have recruiting functions and whatnot in that one. And and as you can kind of divide and conquer in terms of where you're holding your functions, what you can do with recruits on game days. We've seen that Utah's really worked hard on building out their recruiting staff. This will play a pivotal part in that. And also, it's going to be really, really fun for that group of Utah fans that likes to go party in the south end zone. 
Absolutely. I, like I said, I, I'm really looking forward to this. I think they've done a good job redesigning the Olympic Plaza, obviously, with the cauldron will still be very much featured there. And that, by the way, the field house with the Utah, uh, the UTAH across the field house roof, it was a master stroke when they finally got it done. I don't know how long it's been now, Brian. It's been five, six years since they first did that, uh, but they had to redo it because they had to redo the, the roof of the field house this past offseason. But it was just great to see that finished up once again. It really is just a phenomenal, phenomenal look, especially now with those fans who will be uh, occupying that south end zone, the new Ken Garf performance on those new seats over there. They're going to have a fantastic look. That UTAH is featured very prominently, especially from that south end zone. It looks great from above, uh, from the camera angles. I think it makes... Uh, things stand out a little bit more. It was a terrific idea and a really fun collaborative effort, I think, by Utah fans as well. It, really what Utah needs to do is they need to expand as much as they possibly can on that game day experience to make it one of the best in the country. We've talked so much about NIL and everything else. You have to have selling points that will go above and beyond just being able to offer recruits more money or, or the opportunity to earn money, however you want to phrase it. And I think that that stadium is, is one of the ways to do it. I, I'm Curious to see if some of the changes that they made to the field house maybe apply to game days. That was something that I always thought would be cool is to make it like a pre-party area or a sure. uh, tailgate area or something like that. Um, you know, cost is always a, uh, an association with this. I mean, we're seeing this beautiful uh, expansion being taken at almost $30 million more or than it cost to build the original stadium. So that <laughs> really puts things in perspective, right? It does. It does. So looking forward to it. We'll continue to share updates on this. But like I said, we're, we're under two months away from being able to be there, all of us, speaking of fans, media, uh, the players and coaches, obviously, all being there together as the Utes and Wildcats square off in the season opener on that Thursday night. And and I, the more I see these updates from Leighton Construction and the University of Utah, the more it excites me to see how this is coming about, I, or coming together, I guess is what I should say. It just looks great. The, fish, the uh, renderings when they first announced it were awesome, but to finally see it just in picture form to see it in person man it looks phenomenal and everything co coinciding with the end of the pandemic the ability to return to the stadium uh, as bad as that whole situation was it is kind of fortuitous that it all comes together uh for the university the way it does to unveil it this year when people will be so excited to get back into the stadium yeah, so, all right, well, let's, uh, coming up next, let's switch gears and talk a little Utah running Utes basketball. I know you mentioned this on our other edition this week, uh, talking about the Sunshine Slam, the official announcement coming of the quote-unquote MTE that the running Utes will play in this year. What to make of that, what to make of the non-conference scheduling for Craig Smith in his debut season as the running Utes head coach. We'll get to all of that here in just a moment. First, though, today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends at Rock Auto. Brian, I know you've used Rock Auto. I have used Rock Auto. It is the best place if you need any type of part for your car, truck, or SUV because they really literally have thousands of parts from hundreds of manufacturers and the best part at reliably low prices. You can't talk me out of low prices, Jake. I love them. 
Yeah, uh, why spend a 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts at a chain store or the dealership you normally go to? You can go online, go to rockauto.com, order the parts you need, the exact parts you need, and they're shipped directly to your door. That's what we want to encourage you guys to go check it out. See all the parts available for your car or truck, rockauto.com, family-owned business for 20 years serving auto parts customers online. When you get there, please mention Locked On or Locked On Utes in the How Did You Hear About Us box. We can get some credit for sending you there to check them out. Once again, it's an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all of the parts your car, truck, or SUV will ever need. Check them out now at rockauto.com. All right, folks, now time to talk a little running Utes basketball. The offseason is continuing to roll on. We're seeing non-conference announcements coming along. And finally, we know where the Utes are going to go play the MTE, their midseason tournament event, which will be taking place in Daytona Beach. Brian, you going to be heading down to the Sunshine State for the quote-unquote Sunshine Slam? If if it's in the budget for Locked On Utes, you better believe it. I'll go to Mil- Milwaukee. I'll go to Albuquerque. It doesn't matter. I want to go everywhere. But I think that's one that would be worth it as the Utes will be heading down to Florida again for the football season as well. Mm-hmm. Might as well get a little preview about what's going on down there in, in uh, the Sunshine State and uh, watch some running Utes basketball. I've Hey, I've watched enough of it to this point. I feel like I've earned that right. <laughs> hey, we'll see what we can do with the budget. We'll, we'll work on that. No problem. But, of course, there are going to be it's a it's a midseason tournament event, so there are going to be three games contracted for Utah to play. They will be playing against Tulsa, Rhode Island, and Boston College in the matchups they have. Tip-off times, the networks that will be on, and ticket information will be coming at a later date. But uh, they'll be in Daytona Beach at the Ocean Center of all places there at the Sunshine Slam. I think this is going to be an interesting matchup. And, Brian, I think there have been some Utah fans, some other people out there who have been, I guess, less than enthused. I, I know you lo- talked a little bit about this on the other edition of, of Locked on Utes earlier this week about non-conference scheduling. But i got to say, for what Craig Smith is building here in his first year, I think this is a pretty solid MTE for them to participate in. Yeah, it's good. Like, I, I don't know what their options were necessarily. I think in the uh, the part of the country that they're playing in, that's great. And they've got some decent opponents. I, I think the hard part about it is that if you're taking the team that Larry Kraskoviak could coach last year and we're bringing it over in, in fullness into this year, maybe this is a little bit of a disappointment, right? Because yeah. you're going to want a real challenge for that squad. They're returning a ton of talent. This team, we still don't really know what we have with this team. And so I think this tournament against Boston College and, and uh, whoever the winner is of Rhode Island and, and T- Tulsa, correct? Correct, yeah. Uh, that, that will be a great opportunity for them to gauge themselves. And I think those are quality programs that you can get an idea for where you really need to improve early on in the season. Plus, a trip to Florida, there's nothing bad about that, especially that time of year. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, so Brian, in these, so the three teams that Utah could face, obviously they'll face Boston College for certain, and then the winner of Tulsa and Rhode Island in the second game of the two games that they'll play there in Daytona Beach. Do you know which of those three opponents Utah has an all-time losing record against on neutral courts? I believe, ooh, I have no idea. This is from the release. I, I'm I'm literally looking at this as we record. So, oh, there you go. <laughs> Shows what I know. Um, say that again. So, 
Tulsa, Rhode Island, and Boston College. Of the three, Utah all-time has winning records against uh, the Eagles and the Golden Hurricanes. Speaking of Boston College and Tulsa, they have a 2-2 two and two record against Rhode Island all-time. And in neutral sites, because obviously this will be neutral site games for them, against all three, Utah has a winning record against two of them, but a losing record against one. Who is the team they have the losing record against in neutral site games? I don't know why that was so hard for me to follow, but it's not a... Uh... Not, a, not not unusual for me, but I, I'm going to guess that the losing record is against Rhode Island? You got it. Neutral site, yes. 0-1 against Rhode Island. 2-0 uh, at home against Rhode Island all-time. Away, 0-1 and neutral, 0-1. Tulsa, neutral court, 1-0 all-time. And then against Boston College, a neutral court, which is actually the only time they've ever faced Boston College is in neutral court venues, 2-1 all-time. So there you go. Love a breakdown of what to expect from the Sunshine Slam. Uh, I can tell you this much. Florida in November, December, January, February, the winter months here along the Wasatch Front, it's not a bad place to be, plain and simple. So if you get a chance to go down there, watch the running Utes in action. And as Brian mentioned, we're going to learn a lot about this team early on this year. We're not quite sure, as you mentioned also, that we're not sure what we're going to get from the Utes currently. But the hope is... As we see them uh, kind of develop this season, this type of a tournament can kind of spur them into some better plays. They get closer and closer, obviously, to Pac-12 action going into the winter months. That's the important part about it is that you're solidifying your schedule. You're getting some opponents on there. You're getting things in line, and the season's getting closer and closer. They basically have one scholarship spot open right now that they'll be waiting to fill. We've kind of felt that maybe Stephon Mitchell, if he decides to return to college, will fill that slot. It could be somebody else. The deadline did pass as we were recording this episode, so we should be getting updates in regards to players either uh, returning or going through the portal and confirming that soon. Yeah, so we'll, we'll keep you updated on all that, obviously, as we continue to roll on here. All right, uh, coming up in just a minute, we'll dig into the 10-pack. We've been going through these top moments in Pac-12 history for Utah after their first decade in the conference. We're going to talk about the Red Rocks once again on today's episode. An important moment for them as a program, going back to the middle part of this past decade. We'll examine that here in just a moment. First, though, Brian... I know you spent a significant amount of money yesterday, <laughs> but it's for a good purpose. Let's talk about Built Bar for a minute here. They are the best tasting protein bars ever. And right now, Brian and I have one of our favorite flavors we have ever had a Built Bar are available for a limited time, the Grasshopper Cookie flavor. Yeah, Grasshopper Cookie is just one of those experiences that you really cannot understand until you've tasted it. I Someone asked if it was comparable to mint brownie, and as much as you and I both like mint brownie, mm -hmm. it is not. It is so much better. I don't know what it is that they've done to it, but it's just it's smooth, it's creamy, it's tasty, only 150 calories in that bad boy. I don't know how you fit that much taste into that little calories, Jake, but uh, or I should say half, Jake. <laughs> Well, I can, t I can tell you this much. Built Bars have been a staple in my diet and as I've lost weight here, Brian. They've been just a huge part of what I've been doing. They're packed with protein. As you mentioned, the, the grasshopper cookie, 150 calories, but 17 grams of whey protein. They are packed full of goodness, guys. If you do not buy the 
milk-built grasshopper cookie if that's not your jam. They have got a myriad of other flavors. Strawberry, cherry barcia, raspberry, cookies and cream, all available now. Get to Built.com. Place your order. Brian and I already have. want to encourage you guys to do so as well. Make sure you use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. You heard that right. L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your next order. And like Brian and I, you can get enjoying the best tasting protein bars anywhere. All right, before we go here on this episode of Locked on Utes, Brian, we have got headlines as fresh as literally seconds ago as of recording. Yeah, this is the great part about recording at night. There's usually some sort of tidbit that's going to interrupt the schedule. Uh, as you know, I have a little fun podcast, Social Hall of Sports. Mm-hmm. If you like me being silly and goofy, it's worth a listen. Uh, I do that with one of the organizers of the original social, Utah Social Open. Uh, but we were recording mid-Woj Bomb when Dennis yep. Lindsay uh, steps aside. Just so happens that we got a, oh, I'm not sure, not definitely not a Woj Bomb level, but a uh, a snacky tidbit of information. Let's put it that way. Yeah, UCLA going to be running it back a little bit here. Johnny Jutsang announcing he's returning to play for UCLA and Mick Cronin this upcoming basketball season. That should make, in my opinion, Brian, UCLA the favorites in the Pac-12. Am I, am I wrong in my estimation? Oh, not at all. In fact, I'd almost venture to say that they should be the favorites going into the 2022, 2021-22 season to win the NCAA title. You were what, one game away from the championship, yep. and even at that, it took a buzzer beater from Jalen Suggs uh, to get it done. Uh, or am I misremembering? No, that, no, I'm right. I'm right. It's been a long year, and and we're not no, sure that Suggs, everything is. Suggs hit the that get, that buzzer beater was in the semifinal. Yes, that's right. And then they obviously went out and beat UCLA. So it just the thing is though, Johnny Jutzang just makes UCLA very, very good. Honestly, I thought he was going to stay in the draft. Honestly, I, I thought he had accomplished everything he felt like he needed to accomplish there at Poly Pavilion. But apparently, he wants to run it back one more time. And the rich get richer if you're the Bruins. Yeah, the bottom line is that Juzang's joining a roster that's going to be absolutely stacked with talent. They don't really lose anybody, and they're gaining two really talented players in, in terms of commitments. So the 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 I, I joked on Twitter that trouble is a Bruin, B-R-U-I-N, <laughs> at Polly uh-huh. this fall E. But the reality is, is that they're going to have a very stacked squad this year. And I think if they're not favorites uh, to win the championship, then something's probably uh, really amiss. Amari Bailey, five-star recruit, combo guard heading there uh, to play there. Dylan Andrews as well, a four-star. So they've got some commitments coming in. Uh, in addition to Peyton Watson and Will McClendon, who will be there from the 2021 class. Uh, transfer Miles Johnson going there as well from Rutgers. Uh, 6'10 big man. So now they've got some real size uh, in, in, in depth and in uh you know, it's if I'm not mistaken, Watson was supposed to be there last season, correct? And and didn't carry over, or maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. Um, as a <sighs> co-host of the Pac-12 podcast, I should know these things. Right? I'm trying to think too, but you're right. Jalen Clark is who I'm thinking. Oh, you're thinking uh, Clark. You're right. Yeah, but yeah. so, anyways, the the long story short, they're adding plenty of talent to that roster, and we know that Mick Cronin can coach. Yeah, oh, he's proven that time and time again. Yes, he, he absolutely. He's one of the top. Co- coaches in the college game. There's no doubt about that. Uh, so 
yeah, congratulations, I guess, are in order for Johnny Jutzang as well as UCLA. As I mentioned, the rich get richer as he returns to play another year at Poly Pavilion. Uh, Brian, we were, we were going to talk about the 10-pack here, but obviously got disrupted literally by that breaking news like seconds before we – broke into this final segment but let's take a minute here and l- open up the 10 pack once again we're going back to the red rocks we talked about them and their first conference title as a member of the pac 12 but we need to talk about 2015 for them and their run finishing runner up at the ncaa championships in 2015 it was right after their kind of transcendent uh establishment in the Pac-12. They win the Pac-12 championship the year previous, and they make a just absolutely phenomenal run into uh, uh, the 2015 NCAA championship, finishing second. Uh, Another stellar team from the University of Utah that year, uh, anchored by some of the the more, oh, uh, can we call them legendary? Sure, why not? Some of the more legendary uh, gymnast gymnasts, uh, not gymnastics players, is <laughs> our yeah. good, good friend Matthew Jakes likes to say. Uh, Georgia Debritz, uh, of course, uh, one of the best to ever do it at the University of Utah. Um, had a uh, just an outstanding season that year, and um, you know I think that was one of those teams that as you watch them compete, they almost always had that feel uh, or that potential to be that kind of team, um, but really just solidified it with a terrific uh, tournament appearance and performance. Yeah, so the the thing about the Red Rocks are, I think there's a lot of Utah fans out there, especially Red Rocks fans, who are waiting for Utah to get back to the top of the mountaintop when it comes, top of the mountaintop? Get back to the mountaintop. Man, I am just struggling with all kinds of mixed metaphors. It's a disease. I've passed it along to it's you okay. virtually. I'm sorry, Jake. It's okay. But nonetheless, they're looking to see the Red Rocks do what they used to do, and that is win NCAA titles. And 2015 is one of those transcendent moments. You were right there on the doorstep trying to get over the top and win that NCAA title. I, I got to believe, Brian, if they continue to knock on that door as they have done, especially this past season, Utah's going to break through once again here in the relatively near future. And, of course, Red Rocks fans will be over the moon once that happens. It's. It seems like there are a few events that we're just kind of waiting on for the breakthrough moments, right? We want to see Utah men's basketball get into the NCAA tournament. We want to see Utah football finally break through and win a Pac-12 championship. It does feel like it's been forever, even though it's only been uh, 10 years that they've been in the conference. Yeah. And I, But for, for gymnastics fans, this is a program that I think prides itself on being a national contender. Losing Michaela Skinner will absolutely impact that. But they do have a very talented freshman coming in in, in Grace McCallum that I do believe could feel the the uh, the potential slot there very nicely. Yeah, that, that that there's no doubt about that. And so, obviously, they will continue to plod forward. Speaking of the Red Rocks, trying to find that elusive championship. But I, I got to say one other thing, just in the world of of gymnastics. We're seeing a lot of programs around the country really invest in this sport, Brian. So uh, Utah was one of the programs early on that invested heavily in it, but a lot of other programs, especially the Power 5 level recently, have invested a lot more. So it's only going to make it tougher for Utah, but the good news is the Utes, their their legendary status in the sport is only going to help them. 
Yeah, it, you're definitely getting out ahead of everybody else in the sense that you've been doing this for forever. Also worth noting that 2015 was the last year where Greg Marsden was in charge of the program. Sure. Uh left in order to give way to his wife, Megan, uh, who then was with three years further into, into things, three, four. Uh, I should make sure that my notes are in front of me usually when I spout off things like this. Uh, lessons learned in amateur podcasting as always. What? Amateur? No. We're totally <laughs> professionals here. Why would you question us? Um, but, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry, so so Megan continued to lead that until 2020 uh, when Tom Farden took over uh, this season. Um, it's it's a very demanding job, and you look at the all the time that the entire Marsden group put into building this program. Uh, they earned that opportunity to uh, take some time to themselves and, and enjoy the, the fruits of their labors, so to speak. The hope is that Coach Farden can lead this program to the final push and get that championship. Yep. So best of luck to the Red Rocks as they plod forward. And we'll continue, like we've mentioned previously on this podcast, to talk. We're talking about these top 10 moments for the non uh, football sports. So, those of you who are wondering, well, why have you just talked about Zach Moss? What about this? We'll get to the football ones. Trust us. We're just going through the non-football moments right now, and we'll continue to work our way through them. I believe, actually, this is, is this our fifth one, Brian? Are we halfway? Halfway. And uh, we'll probably start picking up speed here now that we're in July and, and trundling onwards to media days, mm-hmm. uh, but trying to uh, save some of the best ones for the last year as there are most assuredly moments that folks are thinking about. Um you know, that, that we haven't talked about yet. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll continue to break that down. But that is going to do it for this edition of Locked On Utes. We hope you all are doing great out there. Brian, send us out with some words of wisdom. I hear that man who standeth on toilet gets high on pot. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, actually, uh, I should share a joke, a dad joke that one of my coworkers told me earlier in the day that absolutely cracked me up for some reason. Uh, you know what the difference between a snowman and a snowwoman is? I do not. Snowballs. Ah, there we go. I like it. All right. We will sign off on that note. Want to encourage you guys before we go here, though. Next up, make sure you listen to Locked On today. It's 20 minutes or less getting you caught up on everything else going on in the sports world at large. They do a great job with it. As I mentioned, 20 minutes or less. Download it. Listen to it wherever you get your podcast, just like this one. This has been the Locked On Utes podcast for July 8th, 2021, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow.